Welcome to this edition of the Disciples Men podcast with your hosts, Greg Alexander and Alex Ruth. Thank you for joining us as we explore the many challenges of being man of faith in these challenging times. Disciples Men is a ministry of Disciples Home Missions of the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in the U.S. and Canada. Let's listen in today's conversation. Welcome to another edition of the Disciples Men podcast. Uh, This is Alex Ruth, your Associate Director of Disciples Men, and we have with us uh, today Greg Alexander, who is the Director of Disciples Men. And Greg, it is fun to be able to do this podcast in person. It is, Alex. Uh, We're sitting in Indianapolis uh, for a Disciples Home Mission staff meeting, our first one face-to-face since COVID. So we're excited about that. It's a very cold day. It's 12 degrees outside in Indianapolis, uh, but the sun is shining and it's gonna be fun to see uh, staff members we haven't seen, meet some new staff people we've never met in person. And so we just thought, let's take advantage of the time we have together face-to-face and see what we can uh, do (laughs) podcast-wise today. And uh, as part of our staff meeting, we are going to be uh, talking about uh, the programs that that we all um, uh, oversee or support um, in in uh, DHM. And so, obviously, for for you and I, that is uh, disciples men. And one of the things is to uh, share a little bit about um, what we do as, uh, as disciples men. And I thought this might be a good opportunity for us to kind of, um, refresh and, and think about, uh, in, ahead of that conversation in our staff meeting, uh, to think about, um, what we do as disciples men, what are some of the things that, um, that we're looking forward to in the year to come? Well, as we talked about uh, yesterday and kind of how as we were thinking through how to make our, our report, um, one of the things that uh, seemed most important to me was to establish some context for the work that we do. Um, as I've shared multiple times in our podcasts, as you well know, I've been engaged in men's ministry on the denominational and ecumenical level since 1992. And I can, I think I can say with some assurance that I've had a pretty consistent message in how we've, how I've approached that in trying to move us away from the uh, kind of the macho man model, the Mm -hmm. Marlboro man model that many of us grew up with, uh, that models an entirely different way of of being a mature man, that's language we've used in the past. And we've done this in such a way that we go to our primary source as Christians, Jesus as the model for for what a mature man of faith would look like. And so, again, for me, all these years now, over 30 years, uh, I've been working and trying to create the resources, trying trying to create the culture, in which, uh, in which we help redefine the role of a man in, in society today. And I thank God every day that you came along and we've had a chance to do this together as, as uh, really as co-directors of Disciples Men. The titles yes. don't mean much. Uh, we do this in a very shared capacity, which I'm very grateful for. And, uh, and you've 
added a great deal to uh, my understanding. We've, uh, you know, we've had a, now a chance to dialogue, talk through, wrestle through right. a lot of this stuff, which I, I have uh, grown immensely uh, as a result of our, our conversation. So, you know, part of, part of our report is, is that we, we believe that, that a disciple man today must must reflect a, a much different kind of character, a, a different kind of uh, self understanding about how we how we um, how we live in the world today. And again, as I said, Jesus yes. is the model that yeah. that we use for that. And the Jesus way curriculum that we've developed, um, the presentations that we do when we keynote men's events uh, or have any kind of conversation with men. Uh, that serves as a foundation for all the work that we do, and and I, you know, you and I are both very grateful for our leadership in the now the uh, men's discipleship council, our new structure for our support system for this, and that they too uh, have embraced mm -hmm. this concept. Um, uh, and, uh, I didn't and, get that. Could you try? And we're all prepared to move forward together uh, in that. So that's. That's sort of the broad stroke context out of which I've worked and now we work together in right. how we define and shape the work that we do. So why don't you spend a few minutes telling us, reminding us of what we've done uh, together in, within that context. Right. And uh, as we've been talking and preparing for this, I was thinking back the last time we were um, at the same place for a, a Cycles Home Mission event would have been November of 2019. Wow. Um, and I, I remember leaving that event and traveling to Ohio uh, to do what was, at the time, I didn't know this, but it would be my, my last in-person, you know, retreat for a couple of years. So what we've done in our time, uh, both you and I started uh, at slightly different times, but in 2019, um, so we're entering our, our fourth year uh, in this ministry. Uh, a lot of that shaped by COVID and, and the repercussions that it has had. But, you know, we've created um, three great curriculum resources, um, all under that Jesus Way banner. Um, most recently, we've uh, offered a revision, and, and we probably need to talk about what that revision looks like at some point in the fairly near future. Right. Uh, but we've offered a revision to the original Jesus Way curriculum that is, uh, I think, really enhances. Um, you did the yeoman's work on that uh, revision, it, but it really enhances that curriculum and, and ties it together in a way that is uh, that is really important. I think. Um, so we've had those. We've had the opportunity to. Um, do many uh, men's retreats uh, at, in different regional settings and, and cluster settings. Uh, and in person and virtual. In person and virtual. Um, I, and, yeah, in person and virtual from, from across uh, the United States. We haven't been up into Canada yet, but uh, from across the United States. Um, and, you know, this podcast has been, uh, I think, a, a great avenue for us to think through and and discuss with our listeners um, or have them listen to us as we think through um, some of these major issues that are addressing us um, as as people of faith, as men of faith, as, as disciples, men, uh, these past few years. Because certainly there has been a lot of activity. 
um, from the events of January 6th through how we respond to and and address you know situations that are brought to us through COVID um, towards just a, a a deep need for uh, a renewal of of like you talked about a, a definition of what it means to be mature masculine a mature man uh, in the world today uh, we have we have lots of models for that and I don't think all of them are um, as life-giving to the world um, as following Jesus as as our model um, which makes me think about one of the things that we has been on the back burner and probably needs to be elevated to a front burner uh, which would be another curriculum piece um, about faith of our faith of our ancestors or faith of our fathers, um, and and some of that curriculum is already written, um, and and some more is is yet in the works, and and so that's something that hopefully um, we can bring to the front burner um, and and make that a reality this year, uh, potentially even before general assembly um, coming up in just a few months, but. Um, that would be a good opportunity to unveil yet another uh, curriculum uh, piece. Uh, and, and I think it is important to find ways for us to uh, continue to tell that story uh, of this is a person either in history or in our lives that exemplifies what we think it means to be uh, a mature masculine uh, person and in the way that gives life to the world. Yeah, I had actually forgotten about the uh, the Faith of the Fathers curriculum. Thank you for reminding me. That's another piece of work that we need to attend to. You mentioned that, you know, that the world itself or, you know, just the world and national situations over the last few years since we've been together, COVID, January 6th, Rise of white nationalism, uh, uh, you know, the, and I would say, you know, one of the things that uh, over the last I don't know how many years, less than a dozen years, is a lack of integrity, mm. a lack of honesty. Uh, you know, we just elected a person, you know, to the Congress who completely fabricated <laughs> his resume, right. yeah. and and as of this recording, there's been almost no repercussion. Right. From that, even though it's well known that the person is a total is a total lie, <laughs> and uh, and so you know it's it's important for us to as we address men's ministry to to keep in mind that these are some of the realities that we have to address. We have to push back against right. as as followers of Jesus. I mean, if you're a man of integrity, if you're a man of authenticity. If you're a man of faith, if you are driven by, you know, the sort of that, the spiritual resources that are ours as followers of Jesus, these things cannot be ignored because right. they're part of what makes the whole person that we're trying to help recreate. And so we have to confront white nationalism. We have to confront, con confront you know, that lack of integrity that seems to almost becoming standard issue. Right. I mean, my God, how, how do we do that? How do we let that happen? <laughs> right. And, uh, and so that whole, th that whole reality in which we're, 
we're dealing in today. You know, we, we've done some discussion in past podcasts about sort of how in this postmodern world, you know, if you can, if you've got a big enough microphone or a megaphone, you know, you can create whatever narrative and call the truth that you want. Right. And how do we counteract that now, you know, from right. our, our little realm of the world, little slice of the world, we're not going to change much, but if we can change a heart or a mind or two or a dozen, uh, uh, you know, I mean, Jesus started with a handful of people and right. kind of made a nice difference. <laughs> uh, and I, I still believe that if we are doing, if we are doing the right kind of ministry in the right kind of way, uh, you know, that we will open up that door of blessing for it to flow and, yes. and us to make a difference. I don't think that's Pollyannish. I think that's just the basic of the faith we we put our trust in. Yeah, it, it is. I think uh, that's a core tenet that, that we do have faith that, that what we do and, and who we are and how we interact with the world around us makes a difference and a po- hopefully a positive impact in, in the world around us. Um, I, I've been thinking as we're talking about and we, you and I have talked about this before. I'm not sure on the podcast, um, but we're in a time um, through from late modernity into post modernity. One of the um, one of the key elements of personhood has been this this striving for our authenticity. So we've always wanted to push towards what is authentic. Now, there are some challenges with that um, in that who who defines what's authentic? That's a very individualized um, definition. Um, But your comments about having a big enough megaphone or big enough um, audience, big enough voice that you can define truth uh, I, I think one of the important elements of being a Christian man, a disciple man, is authenticity with accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, that with accountability piece sometimes gets left to the side or left off completely uh, to our detriment. Um, and, and so I think that uh, that's one of the things that I have found in our relationship and in other relationships that I've built with with friends and colleagues through the years is that we're able to hold one another accountable um, for for what we do or do not do at the same time allowing each other to develop um, and search after and discover who God is calling us to be on that individual basis as well. Yeah, and I, I, I'm very pleased that you bring up the word accountability because accountability is the reason why we do all of our, develop our resources as small group resources. Right. I mean, we could develop, you know, personal spiritual meditation, devotionals, right, and do that kind of stuff. And it's not that they're not valid. They are. I, You know, you and I both have used things right. like that for years to, to feed us. But... But when it comes to accountability, I still believe that that most men have have that kind of integrity that if if they say they will do something with a group of other men, they will honor what yes. they said they would do. Yeah. And so we we build accountability into the curriculum resources we use by the very nature of that they're small group ministries. Right. And so 
you know, we one of the major changes that we made to the curriculum, one of the revisions that we did, is that we made it much more, much more developmental in that each lesson builds on the previous lesson. And a part of what's built into that is new levels of accountability uh, with, right. with the men who are making the journey with you. And uh, so that at the end, you can, you can track, uh, yeah. again, it's not a, that sounds pretty, that's not the right word, but you can, you can, you can see the difference right. between the time you started and the time you end, you know, the study together in how, number one, you've grown as a group of men, uh, how you've grown personally in your faith with God through Jesus Christ, and, uh, and how, and how that change in you is being received. Right. By the right. context, by the realm of influence around you. And, uh, uh, and again, that was, uh, we had the right content in the first edition of the material. But uh, after we had a chance to get feedback from other users, review it ourselves, began to realize that it was a bit choppy. Right. And, uh, and so we went back and we made it a much, a much more developmental process in how we deepen our relationship with God. And I've, just, I've done this long enough to know that if we didn't have those levels of accountability built in with one another, it would not have the impact that it right. does as a small group ministry. Without the accountability, it is, um, see if I can uh, pick this out. Uh, without the accountability, it is like you know going to a retreat, and you really feel the move of the spirit. You understand what God is calling you to do in in a deep way, but then you go home, you come off the mountaintop, and life kind of just takes over, yeah. right? And yeah. it, it's easy to have the inertia of the lives that we lead drag us back into leading a very similar life that doesn't experience much change or transformation. Um, the accountability piece is the piece that says, how are you doing with this thing you said you were going to do? Right. Um, right. And it, it, it may not keep us at the mountaintop, but it keeps us in sight. It keeps that mountaintop experience or that, that revelation um, in sight and tangible, um, and, and in many ways, that's um, the way I kind of think about um, even our our you know uh, weekly church experiences are keeping those uh, keeping those high points in sight, and, and that's why community is so important. And that's why we're we're struggling through this new understanding of community um, with virtual. Uh, you know, can we build those same kinds of deep relationships when we're not physically in the same place? And I would say yes, we can. It takes some intentionality, mm -hmm. um, and it takes um, it takes some honesty and authenticity amongst all parties because. Um, we could put on, you know, an Instagram face uh, and only show the high points of our life and not talk about the struggles. Um, but if we're willing to, if we really want to improve who we are, I think, you know, being honest about ourselves and not just showing the shiny parts, uh, showing some of the areas that we're struggling with and, and we need help and 
that accountability with. I, I think that's important as well. And, yeah. and it, it really, I think, helps define who we are as people, as men, uh, in this context um, in, in a profound way. Yeah, and I, I would add a couple more. I would say another piece that's so important is continuity. Yes. Is yes. that, you know, in between each one of the lessons uh, or sessions of uh, the Jesus way, uh, there's an exercise. Some there's stuff, there's yeah. some stuff that you have to do in between that sort of puts a period at the end of the sentence of the, of the session that just concluded and then begins to write the sentence right. for the next time you're right. together. And that's uh, that continuity, I think, is also extremely important. And that's another, I think, uh, strength, uh, re revised importance that we did with the curriculum uh, that, that makes a difference. And we have gotten some good feedback from yes. some folks who are using it, that they felt that the change was really very important and, 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 uh, and made the difference. So we're very, very encouraged by that. The other one is, uh, is the uh, uh, level of... Uh, confidentiality and trust that's mm, filled in yes we all we all know that with men um, you know there's we always put on a face we always <laughs> want people to think that we're more successful you know stronger better more virile whatever than what we may be <laughs> right and right. and and the whole advertising realm oh my goodness. is built around men's need to feel mm-hmm that kind of superiority and uh, and have project that. Uh, you and I are both uh, uh, follically challenged. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, and it doesn't take long before, uh, you know, our our email boxes and stuff <laughs> is filled with stuff about growing hair. And now that we've talked about this, mine will be, <laughs> yeah. you know, every ad I see on Google will be about hair, hair growth products and, for next week. Yeah, and so again, uh, neither, Neither one of us care or are concerned nope. the least bit. I mean, I've been this way for <laughs> forty years or more, <laughs> and so again, it's that's long past. Uh, but they still believe that there is something about my self-esteem, right, that requires me to buy into those kinds of products, right, and um, and again, that's all part of the male facade. That we've all we've all grown up with, and so what we're trying to say is that that's an inauthentic way of being, yes. and and Jesus came to teach us a much more authentic way of mm -hmm. living, rightly with God, uh, you know, in which those kinds of, of attributes, physical attributes that the world wants to measure, have zero value yes. in the realm of God. God looks at the internal, not the external. And so it's all about heart, it's about compassion, it's about care, it's about, uh, it's about how we put the needs of others ahead of our own. Uh, you know, it's how we build up instead of tear down. It's, right. it, you know, there's a whole network of things, whole, whole back, basket full of things that Jesus taught us that makes the world and ourselves better and more authentic. It, 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 that that realization, um, and, and I come to it and come back to it again and again throughout life, um, the realization that of the uh, the humanity of Jesus, uh, you know, the real um, you know theological word, the enfleshment or the incarnation 
of God in human form through Jesus Christ is really powerful. Um, and I've been um, watching with some, uh, I'll say curiosity, um, and maybe uh, even some excitement, uh, have been watching uh, how the, there's this new ad campaign. You know, he is he's one of us. Yeah, I've kind seen of, that, yes. Um, and, and looking forward to a couple of weeks from from today when we're recording this to, I know there are a couple of Super Bowl ads uh, from that ad campaign. Um, I'm curious to see those. You know, I, I'm excited to, to see what, um, what that is producing. And have I agreed with everything that has been said? I don't know. It certainly made me think. Yeah. Um, there's been a couple of those ads. I, I've talked about this with the clergy group. Um, we're talking about, uh, one of them talks about Jesus feeling anxiety. Um, that's one I'm still working my way through. Um, the part of me that experiences anxiety and those in my, in my realm of influence that, uh, that have anxiety, um, issues, uh, my daughter being one of them. Um, it, I, I see the comfort there. I, I struggle with that a little bit. Um, so yeah, I'm still processing that one. Um, uh, because Jesus, if, even if he experienced anxiety, seemed to handle it differently than than I do. Uh, uh, but but that that um, that connection, continuity, um, and and the, the incarnated uh, embodiment of of those Christian values, I think is is really important. Uh, and I'm excited to see that being talked about on a you know, more national sphere, um, seeing those ads during football games and the like, when when on the one hand you have a very, um, you know, competitive and machismo-driven um, male-dominated sport and seeing these ads presenting a, a slightly different take on, on um, who Jesus is and therefore how we respond to the world around us. Yeah, I, I've seen those ads too, and I've had that same kind of in, intrigue. I haven't I haven't gone to the website yet to look it up, and I, again, I do plan to do that because I am curious. But unlike you, uh, Jesus showing anxiety, I find, I, I've, uh, you know, again, I think that's great. I, uh, and part of it is, um, I've, I've been much more of a, um, focusing on the humanity of Jesus and on the divinity of Jesus through most of my ministry. Right. And, um, and, and certainly the curriculum, the Jesus way curriculum does picks up on that. But I, and for me, the, it's not that Jesus, that anxiety inhibited Jesus in any way. It, it, what it did is like all the suffering moments of Jesus's life is it gives him one more insight Mm. into the into the reality that that we face and we are the ones that he came to save or redeem yeah. and so to make that connection it would it, it only makes sense to me that Jesus would have had to known that kind of intimacy right. of fear or concern within us in order for it to have been redeemed or to be dealt with in a you know through through a faithful yeah. way and so I don't. I like that. I don't. I don't have that same same uh, struggle. Um, 
you know, we've been, we were kicking around since we've been together um, a couple weeks ago. The lectionary text was um, Jesus calling and calling his disciples in the yes. Gospel of Matthew. And, you know, he makes this statement, you know, uh, from this point on, I will make you fishers of people. Right. And my question to you is, do you, have you ever thought about what bait Jesus had in mind when he was talking about fishing for people? And, and until that conversation, <laughs> I had not. I have been thinking about, uh, I was doing some thinking on that last night. And it's not just the bait, but it's also the tackle that yeah, you're, you're concerned right. with there. Right. Um, and, and that is, um, it's a metaphor that, that is going to propel me for a long time. Um, and and uh, I'm thankful for that question because uh, it's not something I'd ever thought of before. And so I I would because I have thought about it. I did. I preached on it actually. And so um, the what I where I came out on that again. There's a multitude of ways you can look at it. But for me, what I essentially told my little band of believers uh, where I serve is that. What we've learned today is just that our words are irrelevant. I've said this before in podcasts. You know, we've already, as we talked earlier, there's so much mis- mistruth, so much lying and false narrative, you know, that we've all been conditioned really not to hardly believe anything anyone says. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, you know, that's a very sad part of the reality which we live in. And so if you don't have words to make your witness to who, God through Christ is in your life, what do you have? And this is where, for me, that the metaphor of fishing becomes so real because in my mind, the one thing that you cannot deny was, you know, Jesus said, you know, uh, you know, in Matthew 25, I was hungry yes. and you fed me. And the question is, when did we see you hungry and feed you? And, you know, Jesus' response was, you did the least of these, did it to me. And so for me, the one thing that's indisputable is compassion. Yeah. If I exercise compassion for you, if I help meet one of your needs, it really doesn't matter what my motive is. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is I took the time. I, well, that's not true. It does matter if I'm being manipulative. But, but you know, in a pure sense, if, if I see a need and I'm compelled to meet the need, uh, you know, uh, it's almost, it's, you can't put down the fact that this person came and met the need that I had at the right, right. time. And that's, you know, you don't need words. So again, I think the fishing pole is compassion. Yeah. But what's on the hook? What bait is on the hook? And I think, uh, again, as I look at the world today, I think that the bait that Jesus brought to the world was hope. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm a person dealing with anxiety, if I see a person who conquers anxiety through faithfulness, I have the hope that I can conquer anxiety and faithfulness too. Yeah. And, you know, play whatever affliction it is that we're fighting. Um, I, I think that that's, that's what it is. And I'm not so sure that that's where the church stubbed its toe is. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've been, I've been wrestling with this a lot lately. We are, you know, and, and uh, as you know, uh, you know, I was trained as an ecologist before I went into ministry. And, right. And ecology studies life systems. It, it studies, you know, uh, studies the relationship between living beings and the context in which they live out their lives. That's the basic understanding of ecology. In its in its most simplest sense, there's producers and consumers. God made the world, you know, with producers and consumers. We we are consumers as right. 
as, as uh, humankind. And plants and trees and pigs and cows and all these other kinds of things are the things that produce the life-sustaining elements that we need to live. And, and so uh, in, that, in every system, there's producers and consumer, consumers, and in every system, the system's primary function is to maintain the status quo between and the balance between producers and consumers. That's, that's stability. That's sustainability. Well, in the church, what's happened is, uh, and again, from a system standpoint, is that now we have far more consumers right. than we have producers. And who are the producers in the church? Well, historically, it's been a pastor. You know, a new pastor comes in, there's a new jolt of energy and excitement in a congregation, uh, you know, and whether or not that's sustained, who knows. Part of the problem that we've had is that there are two, there are two primary, um, uh, two primary uh, sources, spiritual resources that producers produce. One resource feeds the church as an institution. Mm. The second resource feeds the individual members or participants in the life of that congregation or in that system. Mm. We've, we have made a terrible mistake of confusing the two. Yeah. And we keep, we keep trying to, uh, well, we call a new pastor into a situation. And the pastor comes in filled with the ideas and resources to provide the spiritual resources the people need. Mm-hmm. But the people have been taught that the only resources that matter are the ones that feed the institution. Right. That's why tradition, uh, you know, and uh, we've never done it this way before. <laughs> uh, you know, all all of those kinds of things come into play. And the right. minute the minute that the preacher, the new preacher, comes in and tries to develop the spiritual resources for the people, is that the people put push back and expect that you're you're doing what increasing the size of the budget, adding more people to the pews, right. uh, you know, that you're giving greater visibility to the church. And again, those are those are church feedings, not personal feedings. Not faith feedings. Not faith feedings. And so you get into this conflict. And then pretty soon, after a year or two, the pastor leaves because all the conflict arises. And this has been going on and on and on. And we have not sorted out in our minds that there's a difference of uh, uh, there's a difference between the two two needs that producers produce resources to satisfy. Yeah. And you and I have been engaged in our work. We have essentially, I won't say ignored, but because if we're part timers with DHM, we don't have to pay too much attention to the system itself. Right. We're not paid to do that. We're, we're paid to work directly with men. Right. And that's the expectation. And so we have, we've been afforded the luxury of focusing all of our energies on the things that build up the spiritual resources that build up the men right. who participate in our churches rather than building up the churches that the men participate yeah. in. Right. And, and yet, at the same time, the struggle that we have the most is finding a way for the church to let those resources for the men in the church. 
Yeah. And I don't, I frankly don't have an answer for that. That's the place I beat my head against the wall trying to figure out how we make it work better. Right. But that is, that is our reality is that, is that the church expectation is that it will be fed as a system. Right. Not the people within it being right. fed. And so I think this is a frustration that every regional minister has. Yes. I think it's a frustration yes. that every every general church person has, general ministry has, is how do we get get the spiritual resources that nurture the soul past the wall of expectation of how you nurture the church as an institution. Mm-hmm. And we failed in trying to find an answer for that. All of us. Yeah, and some of it, for I'm kind of thinking out loud here, but some of that is um, tied into that model of of consumer and producer. We have um, taken consumerism to an unhealthy endpoint. Um, where it is not just, in some ways it's almost a gluttony uh, to to pull a, you know, top seven, seven mortal sin kind (laughs) of language into the mix. Um, uh, And it goes beyond gluttony in the sense of food. We're talking uh, gluttony in that not only do I consume the resources, but I devastate the environment from which those resources come with, with almost utter disregard for, um, for the well-being of that environment. Um, and I think that that has really hampered um, uh, our interaction with the environment um, and with one another. Uh, we have this is, I think, a product of industrialization, um, but we view people as resources to be consumed um, and not as people with whom to have a relationship. Um, and, and it's all about what can I get out of it um, in, in some ways. And that has bled into um, churches. Uh, it, yeah. it's infected us in some ways. Right. Uh, you know, I've, I think I've shared this on previous podcasts. Is you know when I was in when I was in high school, uh, taking the my high school economics course, Mr. Lumen came comes in the first day of class, tossing a piece of chalk in his hand. He walks in, he looks around at the everybody in there. He turns his back to us, and in foot high letters across the board, he writes, "The key to capitalism is competition." And then he turns around, and he says. If you never learn anything else I teach you in this class, don't forget this. Yeah. It took me another 15, 20 years before I understood what Mr. Newman was trying to say. Mm-hmm. And I would say that in my early years of men's ministry back in the early 90s, is, is overcoming competition's force, driving force in men's self-understanding was really the key that I yeah I focused on, and it's still extremely I still important. Think it's extremely, extremely important. important. Yes. We've we, you know we've added to that, expanded beyond that, but but that's it. You know, if I'm if I'm in competition with you, I I'm not going to give away my advantage to you. I'm going to hide my cards under up my sleeve, and uh, and do whatever I can to make sure that in a realm of competition, I don't let you outcompete me. Right. 
Right. And so think about the impact on that for Christians, for Christian men. If I can't, if I can't be honest with you for fear, I give away my competitive edge. We can never develop the, we uh, the relationship. Growth. Right. We can't yeah. grow. We can't. You are always suspicious of each other. We come along. We pat each other on the back. We play a little golf or basketball or whatever your pickleball there. Yeah. Sport is <laughs> you think? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then you uh, you know and uh, and then you go home and uh, you you know and you don't trust that individual anymore after the event than you did before you started. Right. And. Uh, because That's a sad way to live. You're always holding back, but we are trained yep. from the time we're born yep. to be competitors. We we over breakfast. We were talking about what football, football. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so yep. you know, it's it's that time of year, and and uh, and so again, it's not that it's not that competition in and of itself is bad. Competition has you know has created marvelous things in the world. Oh yeah, and without a doubt. The problem is, is when I define, when the only way I define myself as a man is in my ability to compete. So what do we call, what do we call people who are smart and non-athletic? Nerds. Nerds, right. And we compete as nerds too. Yes. We do. compete as nerds to <laughs> see who can be nerdier. Um, uh, we see that all throughout Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Uh, you know, Wallowitz, the, the only person who doesn't have the doctorate, the PhD, is, is you know, looked down on because because he doesn't have, hasn't attained, hasn't achieved, yeah. um, hasn't competed well enough. But we, you know, but that's how competition, you know, is is such a defining, defining yes. force for yeah, our lives. And that's also one of the reasons why. Uh, you know, the church as an institution wants to be fed independently of the people within it because it too sees itself in competition with the Methodists down the block, you know, the Presbyterians across town, uh, you know, and, and whatever. And the so kids' that's, soccer games on Sunday morning. And so again, it's a constant state of competition, and we are driven by how do we get our our advantage, our edge over our competition. Mm-hmm. What in the world does that have to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ? I mean, really. See see if this is is kind of what you're talking about, maybe. Um, In that competition with is different than uh, competition in opposition to. so we've got these verses uh, through the Bible that talk about, you know, iron sharpening iron and, you know, seeing, yes, there is, there's, there's a delineation, right? There, there's a difference between what uh, uh, peace in the Roman mindset and peace that Jesus says comes through a relationship with God through him. Mm-hmm. Um that that is a, a competition, but it's a competition that strengthens everyone, right? It doesn't downplay um, the gifts or it doesn't downplay the humanity of the other person. Uh, and, and I think that that's for me the the difference is that when we see the other person as as human, as really part of us, it, it's that it diminishes the otherness of the world. Um, and expands my worldview to include many more people. You know, I think that that's been something that has happened 
in fits and starts maybe, but it has happened kind of throughout my life is, uh, uh, you know, as I was a teenager, my worldview was pretty small. It was pretty much me, maybe my nuclear family, um, those uh, closest friends, um, girlfriend, now wife, um, those kinds of folks. That was kind of my world. And then my world expanded to a larger sub subset of people when I was uh, in college. And then as I started to have kids and get into ministry, my worldview expanded dramatically. Um, and, and seeing those others not as uh, somebody I'm competing against, but somebody that I'm competing with, maybe. Uh, so there's a, a, a real, it changes that relationship uh, for me. I, I have to think about that for a little bit. Um, I'm not I'm not sure. And I, I may not be putting the right words to it yet. I think, there, I think there's a difference. Competition, competition as it's defined for the world, I mean, in the world in which we, we live, the, the kind of competitors we're designed to be, usually isn't is is done to feed the ego okay okay it's designed it's designed to make me look better in the world it's the medals on my chest the beamer in my driveway you know the latest right. and greatest driver in my golf bag <laughs> or it's you know my kids better than your kid uh or more successful i mean that those are the kinds of competitions whereas when you talk about you know um i'm, I'm going to change the metaphor uh, you know i'm a woodworker Right. And the roll of sandpaper on wood. <laughs> That's not competition. The sandpaper and the wood are not in competition. I mean, you could probably see it that way. But the whole point is, is to make the wood better. The, the, the purpose of the sandpaper is, is to make, the, to make the wood more beautiful, more, to, yeah, to shape it into what it's supposed to, to be. For whatever, for its use, for its purpose. Right, for, for its purpose. And so... The things that the, I okay. think the things that you were describing as as positive competition, I think there is positive competition. Don't get me wrong, but I I think those are the things that Jesus helps us understand that if you interpret or or process whatever that is going on in your life, sort of like through His eyes, is is that that's what makes us more whole, better. Mm -hmm greater people that mm -hmm. we were, you know, more, more like the people we were created, the persons we are created, created to, to be by God. And, uh, and again, competition in the way it's defined in the world inhibits that because it doesn't want you to excel or to ask questions beyond the utility you provide right. in that realm of competition. I see. No, that's, uh, that's very helpful. It's, it is, uh, you know, the old story of, um, of the, the the sculptor um, only chipping away what isn't the statue, um, and, and some people would say to let out what's to let yeah, it out to let know? the statue out yeah. of you know the, the the block of marble, right? Um, or you know the 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 uh, person working the clay, you know, letting the pot form itself, or in woodworking, if you're turning, you know, let the whatever the bowl or the the candlestick um, come out of the piece of wood, and and I think the only maybe minor challenge that I find there is I want to 
I want to remind folks that it is not that our worth is not defined by how much of the finished product we've achieved, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So that we are just as worthy, we are just as loved by God um, if we're still a block of marble and not, you know, uh, a, a statue. Um, or that if in the process uh, of crafting our statue, maybe we lose an arm. Um, you know, <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. Um, uh, or you know, maybe the the uh, the the pot, or you know, the the vase doesn't come out on the first throwing. <laughs> maybe it needs to be thrown again to uh, to to become a vase this time. Uh, I just I think it's important for us to remember that uh, it is not how much we conform to an ideal that defines how much we are worth or how much we are loved. Yeah, we've, we've used a different language for that with the Jesus way in that we call it journey. Yes. And, you know, at, at, any, at any given point along the way, we're as loved and as, yes. you know, as precious to God as, as we were anywhere along it. Right. But the point is, is that we still know we are on a journey. Right. And in knowing we are on a journey is what opens us up to the to the new insights, to the new understanding of self and the world around us, the people around us, opens us up to new capacities to love and share. That's the that's the you know, that's the chipping away yeah. of the marble that gets to the real us. And uh, uh, and again, but that's, I think the journey is the most important part. I, and I always think that, you know, the fun part of a journey is an adventure. Right. You know, I don't know what, what tomorrow is. Exactly. You know, there are some people can only measure, can only live by certainty. Right. You know, their life is so out of, out of balance if they don't have certainty. I'm not a certainty person. I've always loved the adventure. And uh, because that's, you never, you know, sometimes it's a, it's something not so nice behind that curtain number one, you know. It happens. <laughs> and, <laughs> but if you don't open it, you never know what's there. And so uh, I think that's the, that's the beauty. It's been the fun, the great blessing for me in our time together working on this yes. ministry is, you know, we, we never know what happens next. And, right. you know, we, we, we're on, but we're committed to the journey. Right. We're committed to helping each other grow and to be all that we can be and to the men around us that we are privileged to serve and to help them do the same. But it, it is, it's a journey, a faith journey that we're on. There's no, the only finish point comes at death. And does it really even come there? We, and, and the thing is, we just don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> there's that's the, true. The uncertainty, what, what is life after, what yeah. is, you know, what is eternity after death hold for us? And, and we really don't know. Yeah. Um, and, and I, we could, I, but I, I sense, love, I sense that's the point that I could, I, I stopped contributing to <laughs> whatever, whatever that, whatever is there. Yeah. So, like, uh, yeah. That, that would get, spin us down a road. We probably don't need to go down today. No, um, no. But, uh, although, you know, these are the kinds of conversations that you and I like to have when microphones aren't running. Um, and I know I like to have with other, my other nerdy, um, uh, theology nerds and, and church nerd friends uh, in ministry is to have these conversations about okay what does this mean for life after death and is that the end of our journey and uh, yeah we can get out in left field real quick um, 
I think that, that that idea of journey is is essential. It's something that has been uh, meaningful for me uh, it, in my life. Um, and I also think that it, it comes with it this, this sense of curiosity, which ties into, I think, a, a fairly pivotal scripture where Jesus brings the child in front of the disciples who are engaged in this competition I want to be the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. Uh, and Jesus then brings, uh, we're told, a child into their midst and says, this is how we enter the kingdom of God. And and I think that is one of the defining characteristics of children is their curiosity, their wonderment at the world around them. Um, you know, what parent hasn't been annoyed by their, their three-year-old asking why repeatedly? Um, but they don't know and they and there's that curiosity and wonderment at the world around us and, and I think that that is a uh, that's a great way to to live our lives um, to free ourselves of the certainties and live into the curiosity and discovery and journey um, of of what is next and where is God in what is next yeah yeah I you know, it's one of the reasons why we do, why we engage in justice ministries, social justice ministries. Because yes. what social justice ministries do at their core is that they free, they free people who are oppressed by the injustices to find, to, to, to explore their curiosity and, and... And to find the hope. And to find the hope, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I, yeah, I like that. It's, uh, but that's why we do these things, you know, the, the ministries that we do are essentially to remove the, the shackles the world places on us, to try to keep us down, to try to keep, keep us seeing ourselves only as a certain thing or right. a certain utility to the needs of the world, or, and I would say to the needs of the church. Uh, that's, a, that's a big issue that I think we have to address, but yes. Uh, but we we do these things to set people free, mm. you know. Uh, 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 you know, Paul told us, you know, for freedom Christ has set us free. Do not again return to a yoke of slavery. Yeah. He's not talking necessarily about physical slavery, about being enslaved by another people, as much as that our spirits are enslaved yeah. our minds are enslaved to certain certain attitudes and certain ways of seeing the world and yeah. you know we were our curiosity our freedom to be something more than we are is what Jesus came to bring us and so all that we've done I mean we can phrase it in all kinds of different ways but all that we've done is essentially to help set men free from the from the you know from this competitive, patriarchal sense that we were born into that this is the only thing that defines a man because that sense is killing us. Yes. It's yes. literally killing us. Killing us and killing the world and around killing us. the world around us. And so we've got to be set free. And I know we need to wrap this up, but the one piece of competition that we have never, def we've never talked about in here. And, uh, and it's only in my mind because we're here at the staff meeting where we're going to be with our you know, other colleagues who do other ministries. One of the biggest obstacles that I think we've had in men's ministry is that it has been perceived by by certain by certain I'm gonna say feminists, 
that it is a, that for men to grow diminishes the growth and the work that feminists have achieved. You and I are both 120% in celebrating women's yes. work and women's growth and, in, in the world. I at least would consider myself to be a feminist. Yeah, same here. Uh, a womanist. Yeah, same, uh, same in, here. In many ways. And what what I hope that we're able to, and, and our conversation with, uh, with uh, Pat, uh, uh, Donahue, who was the former director of Disciples Women, and now with uh, Angel Saunders, who is the new director of Disciples Women, our conversation with them has been nothing but cooperative and encouraging. Right. And so we, we see this opportunity. But it's important for people to understand that, that men being whole is not a threat or in competition you know, to women being whole and no. the achievements that women have made. And again, there's still much more to do in that arena, of course. Uh, but it's not a zero-sum game. Right. This is a both end. Right. We all win when we're all becoming more whole. Right. And uh, and so I, I know that I have had conversations with women in the past, uh, women church leaders in the past, where they would just sort of look down their noses at any attempt uh, uh, at the work we're doing as in men's ministry. So. And I, I, I agree. And I think it is important for us to, to address that, to realize that. Um, and to um, to say that you know our uh, our hope, our dream, our goal, our what we're working towards is um, you know rising a tide, lifting a tide that rises all boats. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. You yeah. know that this is this is not um, competition in that we want men's ministry to be better than or set apart from. We see this as part of the whole ministry of the church um, saying that we we can't all be better unless the men or those who want to pursue, pursue the divine masculine um, within them are becoming their truest selves as well. Right, yeah. If, and men, men who are living out a mature masculine are the champions of women living out of the mature feminine, feminine right? And uh, and that that champions of all people. That's right, are champions of all, and uh, and that's you know I think that's a good place for us to end. That's been the essence of our ministry together, is trying to create a, a, a men's ministry, a men's understanding that incorporates that kind of self awareness and, uh, and and self relation in relationship with God and one another. And with that, we'll put a put a pin in it and uh, talk to you again soon. Thank you for joining us uh, on another edition of Disciples Men's Podcast. And uh, Greg and I are going to get ready to go to our meeting, and we'll see you all soon. Thanks, Alex. Our special thanks to our good friend, the Reverend Dr. Dean Phelps, for providing the special music of this podcast. You can discover more of Dean's music at deanphelpsmusic.com. And you can learn more about the ministry of Disciples Men on Facebook and through DisciplesHomeMissions.org.